0: So you made it through COVID, thank goodness. But there is another issue that you need to be aware of. Long haul post-COVID syndrome. Hello and welcome to Living Well with Robin Stoloff, empowering you to live a healthier life. Joining me today is Dr. Marianne Yell, Medical Director of Telemedicine and Ambulatory Quality at Atlanta Care. Thanks so much for being with us. What is long haul syndrome and what do we need to know about it?
1: Well, thank you for having me, Robin. Um, It's a pleasure to be here and be educating people about this. So long haul COVID syndrome happens when patients have COVID. And it's very curious because it's not the patients who are just, you know, intubated in the ICU, but it's patients who even have mild COVID or even asymptomatic COVID. And we see these patients somewhere around the 90-day mark, but it can be as early as 30 days post-COVID. Where they start having these persistent symptoms, or maybe the symptoms go away and they come back, and the symptoms can be really a range of things, anywhere from a cough or chest pain, body aches, sore throat, headaches, fatigue, brain fog. Um, you know, the list goes really on and on about these symptoms, and they sound like a little bit of a pain in the neck, and some of them are, um, yes. but some of them are really life changing. And I, you know, I've been really shocked uh, in practice to see patients, young patients in their twenties and thirties say, you know, my body hurts so much. I I really can't get out of bed and go to work, or I really can't, you know, play sports with my children or, you know, do their activities of daily living. I feel so bad for them.
0: Is it too new for us to know what is causing all this? Is it too new of a disease? So we do know parts of what's causing, a lot of it's the inflammation, you know, left over
1: from COVID. What we really are are trying to learn is why some people have this and some people don't so that we can prevent it. Um, Right now, we're really working on treating it. Um, And that is really where the birth of the the long-haul clinic came. You know, Atlantic Care was seeing so many patients in different areas. So a patient would go to the, the lung doctor, the pulmonologist, or would go to the infectious disease doctor or the primary care doctor and have these symptoms but usually it's not just one symptom it's a few symptoms and so they're you know they were being kind of shuffled around saying well maybe you should try this and you know I'm the lung doctor but I don't deal with anxiety or brain fog you know appropriately so so you know where can I send you and it just felt like it was really hard for patients to get that well-rounded care And so the post-COVID clinic um, that we have at Atlantic Care is a one hour virtual visit where we go through a very exhaustive questionnaire going through all the different body systems, really hitting on all the things that COVID could affect. And then from that, we have a primary care doctor assess, you know, where are the areas that you might need some help. And then we assist with those referrals, you know, within our system. We can even get the patients there. We make sure that they're quick referrals. So patients aren't outside, you know, waiting three months before they can see someone. So it's it's been a really great um, it's been a really wonderful project for us and, and brought some great um, patient outcomes.
0: It's fantastic that you're doing that because everything's centralized and in one place. And obviously, it must be more common than people think if you've actually set up a clinic for it.
1: So it's, it's one of over 100 clinics in the country set up for this. And somewhere around a third of patients that have COVID do have some residual symptoms. So it's a pretty high number.
0: So tell us what are some of the treatment plans and options and, and are people recovering from this?
1: So, yes, people are definitely improving. Okay. And again, we're learning more every day, but the treatment plan about uh, with the post COVID clinic is really individualized, which makes it really special. So, you know, every patient is experiencing something different and a different constellation of symptoms. So, we really have it's, it's not a recipe, you know, where you know, we have A, B, and C. Um, we really have an individualized care plan and coordinate with the primary care docs so that everyone is on the same page. We can even do family meetings so that truly it's well-rounded care where everybody knows what's going on and, you know, how to move the patient forward and progress.
0: And you're seeing patients of all ages? Is it, is it more older folks or is it getting to be all ages now?
1: It's all ages. It's all ages. You know, we have our our Medicare patients down to our 18-year-old patients in this clinic.
0: That's unbelievable. And let's talk a little bit about uh, vaccinated and unvaccinated patients. Is it making any difference if they've gotten COVID and they've been unvaccinated? Are the symptoms more severe and is long haul more severe?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great question. And and that's one of the talking points that we know we use. A lot of patients are having a vaccine hesitancy where they just feel like they don't know enough. So they're not really sure if they want the vaccine or not. And and many patients don't know about COVID long haul, even though it's a third of patients, people uh, oftentimes are kind of embarrassed to talk about it, especially if they have something like anxiety or brain fog from it you know, they, they don't want their family and friends to know about that. Um, but certainly telling patients that, you know, you're much more inclined to get this if you are not vaccinated. We're really not seeing any significant numbers of long-haul syndrome in vaccinated patients, which is great. That's exactly what we would hope
0: for. Well, the symptoms of COVID in someone who's been vaccinated are much less severe, correct?
1: They typically are. Even when you look at our hospitalizations, you know, I, I, I saw a great analogy um, and it was a, an analogy with seatbelts and COVID vaccines. And it was saying, you know, you wear a seatbelt not to prevent an accident, but to make sure you don't die if you get in an accident. And that's kind of like the COVID vaccine. It's not gonna prevent that you get COVID, but it's gonna make sure you don't die if you do. And, and that's really where we wanna be. And when we look at our hospitalized patients, you know, 75% of the patients in the hospital have not been vaccinated. And when we look at the other, you know, somewhere around 20 to 25%, a lot of these patients are partially vaccinated, so they maybe only had one dose of the vaccine or they're immunocompromised, you know, so they're undergoing chemo or they have some other immunocompromising condition.
0: So what is the problem? What is the issue? Why is vaccine hesitancy such a big deal in this country right now?
1: Well, I think it's it's become very political.
0: Yes. Um, and, it, and it
1: it shouldn't be, right? You know, I, I think, you know, people have kind of lost uh, a clarity in who they're asking. And that's why as primary care doctors, you know, we often say, you know, please come talk to us. Please establish a primary care doctor. And, you know, let's have that conversation. I know you, I trust you, you know, and and let's get that going so you get the right information. But I think between the, the political, you know, charge situation and between social media and so much misinformation, it can be really hard for patients. You know, when you talk to someone as a patient and, you know, your your friend is really saying, oh, this vaccine is terrible. I just read all these articles. I did my research. And, you know, when <laughs> a doctor a hears, yeah. Yeah, when a doctor hears I did my research, we all have to take a big sigh because we do research in a very different way. And, you know, we try to explain to patients, like, We've spent the last 20 years learning how to really tear apart medical research, you know, who's funding it, how many patients were there in the study, you know, when was it published? Who was it published by, you know, really going through these studies incredibly critically.
0: Yes, not my aunt knows somebody who knows somebody. And right, exactly. (laughs) you have yes, to consider yes. the source of course
1: exactly. so, i read something on the guardian or you know on google and you're yeah.
0: going oh, my gosh, uh, it makes me. you want to pull your hair out i'm sure and you hear that all, all across the countries especially where in areas where covid's really been on the rise that doctors are so frustrated by all of this i mean we've we've eradicated we eradicated polio with a vaccine i mean think about that and everyone just lined up got their shot and polio's gone there was no question about it back then and i'm not uh, and it's unfortunate that it's going that way. And just talk to me about the actual medical mechanism. So let's clarify what actually happens in the body so that people listening to this, watching this, will know that it is safe.
1: So it's it's funny. We get a lot of questions about this. and And one of the biggest questions is, is this going to change my DNA? You know, and and we know certainly that the Johnson and Johnson is a is an adenovirus. We've a vector. We've you know seen that in many places. We use it in all of our vaccines. But this new mRNA has been really scaring people. Like we're all of a sudden going to turn into zombie robots and you know start marching down the street at night. (laughs) And um, you know certainly that is not it. What most people don't understand is when the mRNA gets into your body, it essentially stimulates cells enough to create antibodies. And then disintegrates it's gone right. yes. so it's not like you have this vaccine MRI that's just getting ready to take over you know it's it's gone it really just creates the memory cells that you need to fight the infection and it and it disintegrates so that's you know certainly the benefit so we get what we need from it and the other part just goes away so and it, this technology
0: has been around even though this is a new that we're using it now it's been around for years correct
1: it has been around for years. This platform has been being developed in all kinds of things like cancer drugs and, and other vaccines. This isn't something that, you know, was hot off the press. And we said, we're just going to throw everything in a pot and make a vaccine. I mean, this is heavily, heavily researched. And it's it's really interesting. You know, I have four kids at home and people have been asking me a lot now that school's been starting, what are you going to do with your kids? Are you going to get this experimental vaccine? And I'm like, it's not experimental. Yes, yes, I got the vaccine. As soon as the third dose is available, I will get that. And my children will be vaccinated the moment it's possible. One of them yes. is still vaccinated already. And that was very, that was very exciting for us. But and
0: how old is that child? She's
1: 12. So she's she turned 12. 12 and I gave her one day that she didn't have to get vaccinated on her birthday. And the next day we went and uh, it was very momentous, very exciting for us. And it's, it's a huge peace of mind with them going back to school. We're very blessed to be in New Jersey and at least have mask mandates, but still going to school is a little bit scary. You know, they're on the playground together and mixing. So I truly can't wait for the vaccine to come out for five to 12 year olds.
0: Yes. And it's so good to hear you say that with such confidence. You know, if anyone listening or watching hears that, I hope it gives them inspiration to realize you're a doctor. You've researched this. You have children. You would never, ever want to do something to harm your own children.
1: Well, that's exactly it. And it's not just me. So when we look at the vaccines, you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the AAP, who is sort of our governing body for all the physicians, who take care of children. They make all the rules on vaccines and and really everything surrounding children's health care. And these are all people who've dedicated their lives to caring for children. You know, they're very, very dedicated on keeping children safe. 60,000 physicians, right? They all advocate vaccinating children. So it's really hard when someone says, well, you know, I've heard this vaccine in kids. It's, you know, I, I, I see myself saying 60,000 doctors are on board with this. Come on. Like we're all trying so hard to do our best for patients. ACOG, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology is the same way. You know, we, we live for healthy pregnancy outcomes and healthy families. Again, 70,000 physicians are in favor of, you know, being vaccinated while pregnant.
0: Is, and that, is it changing at all with the Delta variant spreading so quickly now? Yes, yes, it really is. You know, we're it, we're
1: it's spreading so quickly. It's now we're coming to fall where we're going to start to be indoors. School is now different. You know, the rules have changed a little bit. Um, masking in some schools is not mandatory, you know, in, in many, many states. And some schools are even fighting this with temperature change and whatnot. Um, it used to be six feet. Now it's three feet you know, schools are really five days a week, whereas they used to be every other. I mean, I think there are a lot of variables going on that are going to change the transmission. And I think that we just, we have to be really careful. You know, vaccines are incredibly, incredibly important, but so are the other mechanisms like hand-washing and social distancing and and really being careful.
0: Absolutely. Very important. And, you know, in my opinion, my humble opinion, wearing a mask is not a big sacrifice. That's just how I feel. I mean, others may feel that, that it is, but there's many, many sacrifices that people make in other countries that are far greater than what we have to do here. So I just feel like if that's going to get our kids back to school, then I don't. And most of the kids, as, as I've seen and I've heard, don't seem to mind it that much. They're sort of used to it now. <laughs>
1: But I can tell you that my children don't care, and oftentimes they'll come home from school still with their masks on. And I'll say, "You can take them off. You don't (laughs) have to." My my daughter's
0: eighteen, and I tell her that we'll walk out somewhere, and she's still wearing it. I'm like, "Take it off. You can. You can take it off. We're outside now. You know." But they They get so used to it. They do get used to
1: it. I know. I know. Well, so I think if we put all these mitigation strategies in place, it should be very, very good as, you know, encourage patients to get vaccinated. We've had some, some great things going on at Atlanticare. We've started a new virtualist program, and this is to really help people have that relationship with a primary care doctor. The virtualist is a, is a first visit being online. You know, okay. a lot of people just can't take off from work and get in. So we've created that. We're doing a lot of telemedicine in our primary care, in our specialties, in our urgent care, just to help people, you know, again, make it. Yes, it used to be
0: weird. Now everybody's doing it. Now we're- we're all like a little rectangle on the screen, right? Exactly. exactly. And it's not for everything every time, yes, but of it really
1: can be helpful. And you know, creating that relationship with a doctor is so important for your just general well-being.
0: I totally agree. And it's, instead of you know using a medical system just for emergencies, it's very important to stay on top of that to make sure you're getting your annual visits, just to maintain your health. Absolutely. Absolutely, very, very important. So I'm glad that you've shared some information about this. It's I cannot even stress how important it is to get the right information out there. So I'm so thankful that you shared your time and your expertise with us today. Thank you so very much.
1: My pleasure. Anytime. And if you have any questions, please go to the Atlantic Care website. We have tons of information about COVID that is very accurate.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And talk with your doctor, talk with a medical professional. All right. We appreciate your, your time. Thank you so much, Dr. Mary Ann Yell, Medical Director of Telemedicine and Ambulatory Quality at Atlantic Care. And thank you for being with me today for Living Well with Robin Stoloff. Be sure to subscribe and I'll keep you updated on my most recent episode. Until next time, please stay safe and keep living well.